Let me give you another example of this. You're riding down a road and there's a cop on the side of the road. And as soon as you go by, that cop pulls out. And no. right away you have oh. that big burst of, is this for me? Is she usually, coming after me? Because for me, it usually is. Like, Please go by. Please go by. Right. And usually for me, I'm like, oh, no, wait a minute. He's going after Courtney. Yeah, Courtney. <laughs> Time for episode 111 of Coping on the Couch with Courtney and Brian. I, Brian Mulhern, a longtime mental health therapy patient, and of course, Courtney Kelly, who is a therapist. And before we do a deep dive into Mm. the nitty gritty, Courtney, we have some housekeeping that we want to take care of. A little bit of news broke earlier this week. We wanted to make people aware of that. So, of course, we have the crisis line that's already in place, the 1-800-273-8255. That's the suicide prevention line. It's also the crisis line. But they've been working on trying to streamline it and make it something that people can access quicker, kind of like a 911 number for psychological issues. So they have, and it's launched, and it's 988. So be sure to spread the word. You can text 988. You can call 988. You can also go to 988lifeline.org for chat and for more information. But just so people know, it goes to the same place. Very valuable. And I'd say it's about time. Yeah. They've been really working on this for a while now. So we've been excited to see when it launched and it just launched the other day. (laughs) This is what therapy geeks get excited about. (laughs) Yes, exactly. We want that crisis line. Easy access for people. All right. Well, good to know. Thank you for that. And now that we have that out of the way, Mm -hmm. let's discuss what we're going to be talking about today. And that will would be, I would say, perception and reality. Mm-hmm. And this can really go in a number of ways. On our morning radio show earlier this week, we were having a conversation about conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. And even though you and I are not big conspiracy theorists, there are certain things that get our attention. Yeah. Whenever there is a documentary about the JFK assassination, mm-hmm. I'm fascinated. And that's one where I'm like... That one maybe could have gone several different ways. Right. And every time I see a different documentary, I come to a different conclusion. So I don't really know <laughs> You're like, what that's good that's doing. What happened. Oh, no, wait. That's definitely what happened. Yeah. <laughs> They're very convincing. But there are some people who take perceptions and to them, they are absolutely reality. Mm-hmm. And that's a very tricky thing. First of all, it brings a lot of anxiety and stress to them because mm-hmm. usually that perception is not necessarily a good or a healthy thing. Mm-hmm. That also also complicates matters for the loved ones in their lives who have to deal with that on a daily basis. And as a therapist, you also have to be very careful how you address whatever it is that Mm -hmm. they're talking about. Because if you approach it in a way of, oh, that's just nonsense, you're out of your mind, that's not what they want to hear, that's not going to make anything better. Mm -hmm. But by the same token, sometimes if it is something that you perceive to be way out there, you don't necessarily want to rubber stamp it either. Mm -hmm. So you have to set some ground. Right. Because when you brought this up and said, oh, maybe we should do a topic around this, I'm thinking it's really interesting, but I don't want people to think that we're putting mental health issues on if people have like conspiracy theories that they're into and stuff like that. But the whole, like you said, perception and reality. As a mental health therapist, when people are struggling, they may struggle with psychosis, with hallucinations, seeing things that other people don't see, hearing things that other people don't hear. Maybe they have delusions, they're thinking thoughts that may be out of the realm of reality. To think about how the human mind works with the conspiracy theories. Again, that doesn't necessarily ever mean it's a mental health issue, but people can latch on to those kind of things and they can be stuck 
stubborn in the way of not wanting to hear anything that is against what they're saying. And, and they can get unhealthy to mm-hmm. a point where maybe it does become an issue because right, it, be. it is driving so much anxiety. Mm-hmm. It may be causing problems in your personal life, the way that you're interacting with other people. But as we initially mentioned, the conspiracy theory thing, yeah. I also said to you, the movie A Beautiful Mind mm. immediately was something that I thought yeah. of, where somebody who was an absolute genius mm-hmm. was seeing things that weren't there and how that impacted his life yeah. and those around him. And like I said, too, it does present challenges for somebody like you. It really does. And I'm trying to pull it apart and see where people are at. And of course, when you throw in the paranoia with it, where you have these beliefs that someone is after you or people are after you or you have this persistent anxiety going on. Yeah, it can be very distressing. And sometimes it's hard to know, is this based in reality? Is there someone actually stalking someone or someone bothering someone? Or is this something they're perceiving that's not necessarily grounded in reality? So there's a lot to look at with people. And of course, if there's people in your life that have very strong views on things that causes you anxiety or makes you uncomfortable, or if they have delusions about things, I think we can talk about how to approach people in a way that honors both of you. And as a therapist, and also as a loved one of somebody who Mm -hmm. might think that they have somebody after them, and you're trying to make that determination, is this perception or is it reality? While you're still fumbling around in that gray area, Mm -hmm. how do you navigate your way through that? And what advice would you give to other people who are as well and don't know what to do, what to say, or how to handle it? Well, definitely, if there's any evidence of someone that is being threatened or being threatened any harm toward or anything like that, or they feel afraid and there's evidence to show why that would be, then definitely getting a third party involved, getting the police involved, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. If you're feeling that someone's in distress or if you're in distress about thoughts that you're having and you're not quite sure where some of this is coming from or it's just causing you distress, that's another thing to come into therapy and talk to someone. That's what we're here for is to give you that space to be able to pull all this apart, see where it's coming from, and also to give you some feedback and some support around it so you don't have to just live in your head. Sometimes that's a really hard place to be, right, Brian? I mean, when you have some thoughts that you're Mm -hmm. not sure, you have to reality check those. And that can be a lot that drives anxiety. Sometimes we believe thoughts that are not necessarily true. And sometimes when you find yourself in a position where you are judging somebody, if you think they're absolutely full of it when Mm -hmm. they're telling you something like that, I think we've all been in this situation. And this is where I would tell you to reserve judgment. Courtney, have you ever been driving home and you notice that somebody is right on your butt and it Mm -hmm. seems like no matter where you turn, they are right behind you? And then you have that thought in your mind, is this person following Mm. me for some reason? And even though that's not grounded in anything but your own paranoia, can you imagine having that be your everyday life? And there are people who are wired in such a way Mm -hmm. that that is their reality. And that's one way to try to find some way to just be able to relate to that Mm -hmm. and say, okay, I realize what I'm working with here. I have been in a very minor way in that position before, so I shouldn't be so quick to pass judgment on that. Right. And all of us, when we're under enough stress or have things that are going on around us that aren't making sense and we feel very uncertain about things, all of us have reached for certain explanations to help us to feel a little bit better. Even if it makes us anxious to believe it, at least we feel like we have an explanation for something. Let me give you another 
example of this. You're riding down a road and there's a cop on the side of the road. And as soon as you go by, that cop pulls out. And no. right away you have oh. that big burst of, is this for me? Because you coming after me? Because for me, it usually is. Like, Please go by. Please go by. Right. And usually for me, I'm like, oh, no, wait a minute. He's going after Courtney. Yeah, Courtney. <laughs> she just flew right by. But yeah. we all have those moments. Mm-hmm. And even though they might not be grounded in anything but our own paranoia, right. if you're stuck in that box 24 hours a day, I can't even imagine what that world must feel yeah. like. And it's really challenging. And I've worked with a lot of people over my years being a therapist. I've worked in a group home. I've worked in more intensive programming, too, where I'm working with people who have some of these issues with psychosis, where they're losing some of the reality that other people are in. They're having delusions. They're having thoughts that aren't necessarily grounded in reality. And it can be very difficult. But one thing you don't want to do, and if you have someone in your life who maybe is suffering from schizophrenia or from a thought disorder, one thing you don't want to do is to tell them and show them all this evidence as to why what they're saying is not true. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to cause them more distress. Sometimes, and I have to admit this, as a newcomer to therapy, I was a life coach and then I became a therapist. When I was in school and I started to work with people in the group home, I remember thinking, oh, if I can just show them the evidence and I can just have a rational conversation, they will understand. Because to me, I wanted them to not be in distress. And when they would buy into some of these delusions, like I had one client who might think that the president's wife was under her bed or something, or, oh, this person's trying to mess with me again. They're under my bed. You might go in there and say, oh, I don't see anybody under your bed. But if you try to have a rational conversation and say, no, there's no way that Michelle Obama is here, that can't be possible. Oh, I'd love to have Michelle Obama under my bed, her or Melania Trump. I know, you couldn't wait to say that. (laughs) I'll take Barbara Bush. (laughs) But as an example, us trying to say, oh, no, she's not here. She's in Washington or whatever. The thing is, the more you try to dig your heels in the more that person, if they are suffering from a thought disorder, from severe mental illness, they might actually put you in part of their delusion as far as you're against them. They might start to have some paranoia against you, or at the very least, they're going to feel judged and they're going to feel upset and it's going to cause them more distress. So I know your first instincts, like mine was at that time, is to try to decrease their anxiety by proving them wrong in what they're thinking. That is one of the hallmarks of someone who is having a thought disorder versus someone who you could actually show some evidence against what they're thinking and they could say, oh, wait a minute, and have some insight about it. If they are lacking insight, then they may truly have a disorder where it may be hard to reach them in that way. I had a similar learning experience where I tried to reason with somebody who thought he knew everything that would be a child. And I was like, well, this is pointless. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? That's another example. I think we've all been down that road. And let me also introduce another area within which this can become frustrating. And I will never forget the first time that I ever had to deal with this. Mm -hmm. And it is so heartbreaking to begin with somebody who has dementia. And we had a neighbor who lived near us who I absolutely adored. And she was well on in years. Mm -hmm. And we would have them over her and her son periodically for holiday dinners. And she would be telling us about her week at work. This woman had not worked in decades. And she would tell us about all of her co-workers. Mm -hmm. And I could see her son getting so frustrated and saying, Mom, you're not working. Meanwhile, I'm just sitting there saying, don't do that because the one thing that I will say about dementia 
that I try to tell myself, I always say, it seems like she's in such a happy place. Mm -hmm. And even though right now it is agonizing or uncomfortable for some of us to have to hear this when we know it's not reality, let her experience that Mm -hmm. reality. Let her think that she's working, that she has those friends, and not that it's even going to resonate with her one way or the other or that she's going to remember it. But that is a way that you can kind of tap dance and tiptoe around it. And that's really the thing that you should be doing. And remember that it's not all about us, right? Mm -hmm. It's like we don't have to be the ones to prove that this is right or this is wrong or to say, okay, you don't work now. And I know that there is an instinct there and Mm -hmm. it probably gets really frustrating. It's very hurtful. The person who is trying to help the mother or help the family member probably needs some therapy themselves. Because I've had clients over the years where they would say, I'm really frustrated. My mother is believing these delusions that aren't true. So we would go over all of these things to say, hey, have some empathy. Just give them some space to hear them out. This is what we do as therapists. Let's listen to them and talk about their experience. Then you may need to redirect and say, okay, well, it sounds like you're having a lot of anxiety. Have you been taking your medications? Do we need to take your medication? Maybe something as needed in the afternoon, you seem to be more distressed or let's problem solve. Or perhaps you need to go and see your therapist or your provider. But talking about it in such a way that you want to help them with some of the distress that they can own, like I'm not sleeping well. Well, I'm not eating well, or maybe I'm having more anxiety, rather than pointing it right at that delusion. So that's how we can help people is to redirect and then also help them problem solve how they can look at other ways, the things that they can control. That's another thing that we can do. And when it comes to dealing with somebody with dementia too, Mm -hmm. and this is where you have to check yourself, and this is where therapy can become very valuable because I think there is also a component where you are seeing this stage of the dementia where it's, hey, I'm going to work, and there's this one woman, Maria, who I had lunch with, and we had this wonderful time. The thing that starts getting you all riled up within your own frustration is the anxiety of, okay, it's this bad now, but what's going to be the next Mm. thing? And what's it going to be like when they can't remember who I am? And all of that hand wringing and anxiety, it's a beast. It Mm -hmm. had a grip on me for the longest time. So that's something where sometimes you don't want to feel like it needs to be about you because it needs to be about them in your mind. But you do, you have to take care of yourself because that's a very difficult situation for anybody to of be in. Of course. Expressing concern for them, but staying open-minded to what's happening in the now. And that's where we can really be mindful and say, okay, what's happening now? That doesn't mean we don't make a plan for the future or say, hey, it looks like we're going to need more supports here. Or maybe if you're the caretaker or the one that's with the loved one, maybe you need, and this is another thing I work on with clients, maybe you need to ask other people in the family to step up mm-hmm. and help out. Maybe you need an afternoon off. Maybe you need to go and have some fun with your friends and schedule that in because the thing is you can get sucked in easily to 24 hours of helping someone, whether it be always on the phone with them or running to help them and all of these things. Meanwhile, you're not taking good care of yourself and then your fuse starts to get shorter and shorter. And I see that happening time and time again where there are multiple siblings, but for whatever reason, Mm -hmm. everything seems to fall on one of them. And I have a relative right now who is taking care of her mom who is going through exactly what we're talking about. Now, she has three sisters, but Mm -hmm. one of them lives in Pennsylvania. So while it's a shoulder to cry on, it's not necessarily delivering in ways that this can give my other relative a break. And then they have two other siblings whose lives are just so busy. And every once in a while, because the mother in question is living Mm -hmm. with this sibling, I don't want to say it's an assumption that, oh, that's who should handle it or whatever, but there needs to be 
some reflection and there needs to be some sympathy and empathy for what that person is going through to say, hey, you know what? Maybe I can come over for a day and you can just go out and do something else. And sometimes too, we do get caught up in all of our own crap. And while we do feel terrible and while we try to step up in certain ways for as much as we can, Mm -hmm. sometimes it does get easy to forget what's going on and what somebody else is going through in a situation like that. Exactly. And it is hard if you don't ask for help Mm -hmm. too. I have a client who's similar, lives with the mother, is always there 24-7. There was another sister who would help out, but then she went through her own health issues and that kind of got piled on. So a lot of our counseling was about, okay, you need to have some limit setting here. Mm-hmm. Who else can we ask for help? And it took her a while, but she was able to start asking for help so much so that she would talk to some of the providers who gave her some insight into, hey, you can actually get a visiting nurse to come in mm-hmm. for like an afternoon. You can actually have a respite where you can bring her to a nursing home for a few days so you can have a few days off. There's a lot of resources if we are willing to ask for that help, call the insurance, that kind of thing. But sometimes we have to think outside of the box when we need some help with that. And sometimes you just feel guilt. You feel like you're being weak in a way. Mm -hmm. I should be able to handle this. And you think in this way as well, especially if it's a parent, well, look what they did Mm -hmm. to raise me. They didn't get any breaks there. So now it's my time to pay it back to them. But I went through this with my own parents when we were having battles about them avoiding certain physical care and them trying to take care of each other when they were really in no position to do so, where I finally had to put my foot down. And it was affecting everything in my life. Mm -hmm. It was affecting my marriage, my job, my sleep and everything else. And when you start seeing that ripple effect, sometimes even though it's against your every instinct, you have to put yourself first. And especially when it comes to older relatives, Mm -hmm. we've been so conditioned to not do that in a societal way Mm -hmm. that you find yourself being reluctant. But if everybody is getting hurt by the behavior, what favors are you doing anybody at that point? Exactly. And if you think about it too, not in all circumstances, but I think back in the day, we were more of a village. Mm -hmm. People lived near each other. They could pitch in. So even if you don't see it now, back then when you're taking care of people, there may have been more hands Mm -hmm. around to help. Now, especially life is just moving faster and faster and faster. There's so many other things you have to keep up with. I mean, even just with inflation and prices, you got to work more. There's all of these things, stressors that are on us. So Yeah, to really take that into account when you start thinking like, oh, I need to be there 24-7, the best gift you could give would be for you to be open and fresh and ready to help them rather than feeling resentful and exhausted. So thinking about ways that you won't run yourself into the ground, basically, Mm -hmm. because it's hard. And there are many times that I have conversations with people who are much younger than I am, and they will say, I don't care what happens in the future. My mom and dad are not going into assisted living. They are Mm -hmm. not going into retirement home, to which I say, you know what? I hope you're right, but never make that statement. Mm -hmm. And you could be making that statement to the detriment of a lot of people. You may be taking something on that you're not qualified to handle. Sometimes people do need professional help, whether or not it is that older person or the fact, as we said, that whatever you are taking on, it is overwhelming Mm -hmm. you. Absolutely. Thinking about the person that you're dealing with, in mental health, we often use the word insight. So if the person is having these stressors and they're thinking about things in a non-rational way or not dealing in reality, they're having delusions, stuff like that, you think about do they have insight? Sometimes when people have a thought disorder or like you said, dementia, 
they lack the insight. They may have insight at some points where they realize what's going on, but a lot of times they don't. And it's hard to get people to understand what's happening. If you have maybe a mood disorder where you have some of the psychosis that happens when the mood is going up or down, once the episode stops, a lot of times people have the insight. They can realize and say, oh, I was off my medication for a little while, and then I started having these thoughts that were not based in reality. They have the insight. But for some people, they don't have the insight. It's hard to work around that. So you have to know what you're dealing with. Sometimes people will try to fight you on things because they really don't believe that they need the extra help that they need. So it is tricky. And making sure you get the support and get professionals in there for assessments and that kind of thing too. And speaking of things being tricky too, I go back to my relative who was caring for her mom, Mm -hmm. who was on the path of dementia, having to try to tell her, I really need to take the car keys from you. Mm. Now, she's not so far gone that she has no awareness. So she has been calling other relatives and complaining, like she's been calling one of her siblings who's a similar age. And so her sibling didn't really know how to respond to that. So the sibling said, well, you are such and such an age. So maybe they just have your best interests at heart. To which this relative said to that relative, you're two years older than me and you're still driving. And then what's your response to that? Yeah, I guess you'd have to present a united front. Together, you have the idea of where you want to go with the person and how you want to help them because it is hard if you're the only one who's out of the loop on things. Well, and this is where it gets so tricky too Mm -hmm. because this relative of mine who's taking care of her mom, suddenly with the mom, she's becoming the bad person when Mm -hmm. the reality is this relative is a saint like no saint I have ever met in my life in terms of all of the care that she's providing. Mm -hmm. But to the mom, she's representing an obstacle to the things that she likes to do. Like there have been problems with her watching TV shows and doing shopping that Mm -hmm. she should not be doing. Her just showing up to go to a gas station, leaving a credit card behind, and never even having put gas into the tank. When you start seeing things like that, suddenly you have to become that person who is trying to present the best case scenario Mm -hmm. to make things better for that person. And of course, you're going to get all kinds of pushback and anger that in some ways might make you want to avoid Mm -hmm. saying that uncomfortable thing when you know deep down in your heart it's the right thing. Boy, it's really tricky to navigate. It's really, really tricky. The thing is too though, using the doctors, your primary care, Mm -hmm. your psychiatrist, your therapist, stuff like that. Because I've had people where they'd come with mom and I would have those more candid conversations about what was going on and how people are concerned for them. Sometimes coming from someone else can be helpful because with your family you can try to (laughs) fight back and forth. But if you have genuine safety concerns about someone, getting the doctor on board to help advocate for more services or for a higher level of care is really important. And it also can take it out of your hands and help to have a professional to deliver that news and help to educate them on the benefits. And always, as we say, make sure you have the right professional because Mm -hmm. we talk about sometimes a therapy match not being 100% and you need to kind of move around. This particular relative went to a doctor's appointment with her mom and she said I would like to come in with her and the medical professional said no you need to stay in the waiting room you can't come in I don't know if it was HIPAA or anything else well so what ends up happening the mother walks out goes down the wrong hallway goes out into a very busy street crosses an intersection and gets in the wrong car 
to oh, which my relative said, I don't care what your HIPAA laws are. Yeah. She could have been killed. Oh, my gosh. So now I think she's in the process of finding another medical yeah. professional. But again, these are all things that we don't anticipate. This is the toll that it's taking on two course, people. And this is, again, why we do this podcast and why we mm-hmm. tell you that therapy and self-care is just so important in so many different yeah. directions. And again, if you're going through it or if you're watching someone else going through it, that's also a good place to start of needing some therapy to get some support around that. And sometimes just two people talking back and forth, you get ideas because therapists have helped people through this. Mm -hmm. And so they may have ideas on resources and stuff like that, things that you haven't thought of. So it can also be very helpful in that way too. But it is, it's very, very challenging. And I would say always get releases signed so that Mm -hmm. you can be part of that treatment so that you can know what's going on. And that's the thing, you as a therapist, you have been around certain blocks so many hundreds of times Mm -hmm. that obviously you do gain experience and knowledge, even if you're not experiencing it personally. So anybody who's reluctant to go into therapy, well, how is some stranger going to be able to help me and blah, 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 and I can handle it myself. Don't forget all of the times that you have had to solve certain problems. Mm -hmm. That gives you a massive amount of experience to be able to help somebody in that situation. And if we don't know directly, we can always refer people Mm -hmm. and say, oh, hey, maybe you should check this out. There's a lot of stuff we do case management wise, just helping people with resources to find the answers. And sometimes it's not as hard as you think to get those answers, but it can feel frustrating, especially if you're overwhelmed, if you're not sleeping well, if you're stressed out, you don't feel like there's any possible way things could change. So Mm -hmm. that's also an indicator of, okay, I just need to have a space for myself so that I can think for a minute Mm -hmm. because that just means you're overwhelmed, you're running, 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 and it's very difficult. I just wanted to shift gears for one second when we were talking about conspiracy theories Mm -hmm. and when we're dealing with people who not necessarily having any mental health issues, they're just dug into their thoughts. I was thinking about this when we were talking about delusions and stuff like that and dealing with people who are having those strong opinions. It's similar what you would do in those cases, because a lot of times right now we're finding, and especially this was happening during the pandemic, you know, at family gatherings, and you may have a lot of functions you're going to in the summertime where you bump into people and all of a sudden they draw you in to their latest conspiracy theory. And you're like, ah, and you start feeling distressed about that. And I was like, wow, it's the same kind of coping that you would use with people when they are dug in with their delusions or Mm -hmm. paranoia of maybe asking some questions about what they're talking about, but keeping calm and avoiding arguing because everybody digs their heels in on that. And a lot of times it just causes more distress for the person who is sitting there and witnessing all of this with the conversations, but having those limits and boundaries around it too, where you have been out, maybe you only give it a certain amount of time before you're like, okay, great conversation and move on because it can cause distress for people. And to expand that too, this doesn't just apply to, let's say, a family get together. Mm -hmm. There are certain people who are spewing whatever they're spewing on social media where I just say, for the sake of my health, Mm -hmm. I just need to mute that person. And it's not that I'm going to unfriend them or block them and I don't want them to get that or see that, Mm -hmm. but I just don't need that in my life right right now. I'm taking a similar step, by the way, as I'm watching the stock market go, I don't look at my 401k. When my investments get mailed to me, I don't open the envelope. I don't want to see the updates. There's no point for me as a Mm 52-year-old guy who's not retiring right now to go on that ride and go through that stress. Sometimes you just have to mute life in general. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I should have taken your advice on that (laughs) because the other day I said, you know what? Let me just check on those. I have a lot of them from other jobs. Oh, yeah, because I've worked a million places. Believe me, I'm in radio. I know what you're talking about. But you know what I'm saying? You're supposed to roll them over, aren't you? And I never rolled them into something, so I'm going to this site. I'm 
going Stop, to that drop, one. and roll. I was like, oh, my God. So I'm looking. I go, oh, okay. And then I'm like, oh, I'm looking from like a year ago. And yeah, everything's going down. I said, I shouldn't have looked. Oh. Yeah, no. There are just certain things that you should avoid. Mm-hmm. And you need to be aware of what those things are. Mm-hmm. And again, you feel like you can handle everything. But look, we all have our Achilles heels exactly. and our blind spots. Exactly. And that's the thing of knowing like, okay, what are the things that stress me out? I always tell my clients, take your emotional temperature. How are you feeling today? Is this a day where you should look at your 401k? Is this a day that you should engage in a conversation with somebody who you know is going to get you all worked up? Is this a day where maybe you should avoid social media? How are you feeling? If you're doing well, you're feeling okay, you're not feeling triggered and stuff, okay, fine. But proceed with caution, especially if you're not having a good day, if you're going through some stress, don't pile more on there. Have that awareness. And I think that's an important thing is to know how you're feeling. I made the mistake last week. I met with my financial advisor because he wanted to meet with me. And Mm -hmm. long story short, about halfway through, I was dialing 988. Oh, no. I said, you know what? I'm in crisis. There are some things that are on a need to know basis financially. (laughs) Shit (laughs) it. Well, Courtney, if people need to get in touch with you, how can they do that? You can always email me, wellness at wctk.com. We also have resources up on the wellness 411 page at catcountry.com. Don't forget about those social media platforms at Cat Country Mornings on most of them. We have individual pages. Courtney with the C, Kelly E-Y, Bedard sometimes, I, Brian with an I, Mulhern, H-E-R-N. And don't forget to tell people about this very podcast on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts. You can access it through your smart device. And if you're still confused, you can always go to Ask Jeeves. Is that still a thing? Or Google? I don't think so. (laughs) Maybe we'll cover that next week. We open the show with 988 today. Next week, we're opening with Ask Jeeves. (laughs) So something to look forward to for episode 112. But in the meantime, Courtney, thank you as always for your insights and experience. And thank you. We will see all of you, hopefully, for the Ask Jeeves episode of Coping on the Cuts with Courtney and Brian. Uh,